My name is Dr. Ian Storch. I'm a board-certified gastroenterologist and osteopathic physician, and you are listening to DO or Do Not. If you're interested in joining our team or have suggestions or comments, please contact us at doordonotpodcast.com. Share our link with your friends and like us on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, my name is Brooke Pileggi, OMS2 at the Alabama College of Osteopathic Medicine, and you are listening to DO or Do Not. In April of 2022, the American Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine, otherwise known as AACOM, graciously invited the DO or Do Not podcast to attend their national meeting, Educating Leaders Conference in Denver, Colorado. Our two producers, myself, as well as Lerone Clark, who is an OMS2 at the New York Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine, as well as Ben Berg, our pre-medical student liaison, attended the conference to continue our mission of promoting awareness of osteopathic medicine by interviewing leaders in the field. We would like to thank Dr. Robert Kane, president of AACOM, Joseph Shapiro, director of media relations, and Helene Cameron, vice president of medical education services, for having us at the conference and supporting the podcast. Personally, I had an amazing experience and would recommend the conference for any medical or pre-medical students interested in learning more about the inner workings of osteopathic medicine and osteopathic medical education. Mr. David Bergman, JD, is Vice President of Government Relations for the American Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine, otherwise known as ACOM. His team works with Congress and agency professionals to directly advocate for the osteopathic profession. Mr. Bergman comes from a family of MDs and has worked on medical policy for many years. Upon learning of osteopathic medicine, he quickly embraced the osteopathic profession and what it stands for. In this episode, Mr. Bergman discusses the contributions that he and his ACOM team have made on behalf of DOs and his goals for the future. For any listeners interested in becoming more involved in ACOM, medical policy, or advocacy, this episode is a must-listen that we are sure you will enjoy. Welcome to the Do or Do Not podcast. Today we have Mr. David Bergman. Thank you for coming in today and speaking with us. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your role as the head of government relations for AACOM? Sure. As a VP of government relations, I lead the ACOM department that represents osteopathic medical education community before Congress and the administration. So my role really is to serve as a conductor. I, I bring together all the resources that we have as an organization, and I focus them on our strategic priorities. Our resources include an internal team of staff professionals who lobby for the profession, external lobbyists, and a grassroots advocacy program that tries to align all of the interests of our communities, our our members, our comms, our students, uh, as the voice for the profession. I'm really happy to know that there are people on Capitol Hill that are advocating for DOs. That's awesome. And so I just was wondering, what was your understanding of what makes a DO prior to this role that you have today, and how has that kind of changed since you've taken this role at AACOM? 
Sure. I have some experience I'm in a family of MDs, so I'm familiar with healthcare practitioners. And I kind of, because I worked in the healthcare policy space for 20 years, I kind of have an understanding that DOs exist and essentially are treated as licensed physicians. But I never really understood the differences. I mean, it wasn't until I joined ACOM that had more clarity on that body, mind, spirit approach of the DOs and that commitment to how structure impacts functions. And really, I've been really impressed with, I think that the character of DOs is a little bit different for MDs and that there's a lot more focus on serving underserved communities, you know, that primary care and really that hands-on treatment. So I see more compassion and this is as someone coming from an MD family, been very impressed with the profession. I'm glad that the profession has impressed you. It certainly made an impression on me and that's why I applied DO. I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of smart DOs who educate me about these differences. Actually, it's one thing to hear it and it's another thing to experience it. And I say I've had the opportunity to have both of those in this new role. What do you do to work on behalf of DOs? So our team works directly with Congress and the administration to be the voice of the osteopathic medical education community. Mm -hmm. We will actually go in, meet with members of Congress, meet with agency professionals, and share the priorities for this organization, make sure that whatever issues are being currently addressed or are pending, have that perspective, and ensure that those issues that are unique to the profession or that requires some different perspective of the profession are being heard. We work with stakeholders, other organizations, AOA, NBOME, but also medical associations, the Council on Academic Family Medicine, you name it. We're in a lot of different coalitions to address our priorities and look for opportunities to improve the overall healthcare system. We like to think of it in this way. If we didn't exist, then some of these issues would never be touched. And we want to focus on those issues. We don't want to focus on everything. We don't have the resources to be everything to everyone, but we want to make sure that if ACOM wasn't involved, certain things would not happen, and that's where we should spend our time and energy. And then we want to build on those with areas where, yes, there are other groups involved. Yes, there's a synergy that we can work together on to be more effective. But there are some unique aspects of that that actually do align with our priorities, and we want to make sure those issues are heard and prioritized within those policies. Can you talk a little bit about those policies that you've worked on and had approved or you're currently working on right now? Sure. We're very happy with the past year that we've had. I think the one issue I would highlight, and I think it's our most recent significant success, is getting language in recent omnibus appropriations report that essentially prioritizes more osteopathic research at the National Institute of Health. So this has been a priority for us. We know that Currently, osteopathic medical schools receive $58 million a year in NIH funding. Sounds pretty good if you think about it in the abstract until you compare it to the allopathic medical schools, and they're getting $21 billion with a B. Clearly, that's an unfair discrimination. We need to address that issue. And so last year, at the beginning of the FY22 appropriation cycle, we prioritized this as an issue. We established a strategy for engaging And we spent the entire year and quite a a few resources and worked closely with our comms because it was important to them. And we are successful because they're helping us and the students and the faculty and the deans are all involved in this initiative. But when they raise their voice in alignment with what we're saying, we're much more effective. So 
in that collaboration, we were able to convince several congressional offices to prioritize the legislation that we were requesting. Then we worked directly with members of Congress, with congressional committees, and tried to get this issue into the report that ultimately was the directive from Congress to NIH to both recognize the need to increase the funding and representation of the osteopathic profession, but also to report on the status of it. So the ultimate report language says that there are benefits to having more osteopathic research, and these are the benefits, and we want to report on the current status of osteopathic NIH funding, as well as osteopathic representation next year. And that achieves two things. One is it says Congress knows about this and is concerned about this and it wants NIH to do something. And two, it sets a baseline so that we know next year coming in, once we get that report, what is the level right now? We want to see improvement and we can come back the following year and say, we haven't seen that improvement or the improvement isn't sufficient. And then we can move forward. So that's one cogent example of one of the issues that we've been quite proud of the success. But We also had a really good year in a number of other areas. A lot of our programs got in plussed up, um, priority programs. The THC GME program, Teaching Health Centers, Graduate Medical Education Program, is a priority for us, and it got not only reauthorized and extended, but $330 million more were allocated to the program to build new sites, new slots, increase the PRA. So a lot going on, and we, we had a great year. And again, I just want to come back to What's our mission here in the ACON Government Relations Department? These are issues that if ACON didn't exist, that NIH funding language would not exist. We played a role in a coalition on the THC GME, but we played an active role. We played a leadership role. We set up meetings. We were actively involved. This is our reason for engagement, and these are examples of that kind of success. Can you talk on the single accreditation change and In your experience, has this presented any challenges for DOs that might require some more advocacy? So ACOM supported the single accreditation system, and we wanted to see the change, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't come without its problems. And understandably, when you change something that's been in existence for that long, you're going to see issues arise. We are very concerned with the way certain residency programs treat DOs and MDs uh, differently and to the detriment of the osteopathic. I think the single accreditation where we were hoping to see more openness to all residency programs to accepting DOs, we were seeing a lot more DOs taking the USMLE, the licensure exam for MD students, rather than the COMLEX, which is a troubling trend. So what we were hoping would be a positive movement in the right direction has ultimately highlighted some of the challenges that were already existing in the residency system. To put a broader perspective on it, we have data to show that 32% of all residency programs require the USMLE. And as a student, you understand that's not only a financial burden, but it's an emotional burden. And it's completely unfair to require a student who is studying for the complex, which is designed for that student, to be forced to both study for, maybe even pay for a prep course for an exam that is not actually designed for that profession, nor is it necessary for licensure. So we see that as a macro level problem that needs to be addressed and a disparity. But on top of that, to the discrimination piece, we know that 9% of residency program directors have said they will never interview a DO. 
So programs have a bias against EOs and at least skepticism about including them in the residency programs. But we have a pretty significant number of programs that are treating DOs differently than they are their allopathic colleagues. So that is the level of the problem. We are looking to solutions. So if I could talk a little bit Please about, do. you know, yeah. what, are, what are we doing or what can we do to fight discrimination within the government relations department, we are looking for legislation. So we think these programs are federally funded and there is no reason that taxpayer dollars should be going to these residency training and then be allowed to treat one profession different from another profession, certainly without no legitimate explanation. So we're looking to focus this really on Medicare GME because Medicare funds 71% of all GME, so it's the primary funder, and the federal government on the whole really funds most GME. We're looking at, at legislation that would essentially link Medicare funding to having no bias, essentially. And the way that would be structured is to simply say, if you're participating in Medicare GME, you cannot deny applicants who have any medical degree, you know, allopathic or osteopathic medical degree, and you cannot require them to take an exam that is not required for their licensure. And we think with that strategy, we force these programs at least to consider DO applicants and ultimately lead to more inclusion. So we think this is a top priority issue. ACOM as an organization is behind it, and we are working hard with our comms, with our students, with our deans to make this a reality. This kind of discrimination does extend even into the medical school years, and there are a minority of rotations that won't accept DO applicants, say if you wanted to do an audition rotation somewhere. Some of these institutions might have their reasons in terms of we only want students from our school, or is this something that's being addressed at all by AACOM? A great question, and I'll start with this is absolutely a priority for ACOM, and we're well aware of the concern, we, uh, and we are looking for ways to address it. We know the rotation issue bleeds into the residency issue, particularly as it comes to audition rotations, and there is a substantial number of clinical sites that won't accept DOs, and therefore don't give them the audition rotations, don't give them the interviews, and therefore don't give them the residencies. So it's all linked together. ACOM is looking at it from multiple perspectives, not just advocacy, but other solutions that hopefully can address it. I can speak to it from an advocacy perspective. The challenge that we have is that it's predominantly something that would be addressed through state-level policy, so state government programs. The ACOM doesn't currently engage in state-level advocacy. However, we're trying to find a way that we could work in partnership with some other organizations to look for model states where we could, in fact, set a precedent, engage very aggressively, and then show to other states the consequences of treating DOs differently than MDs in these clinical settings. So most of these programs will be receiving state-level funding, so there may be a method for addressing it through that avenue. But it, we're at the early stages of that. We're definitely pursuing whatever kind of legislative regulatory and or advocacy policies that we can through the GR department, as well as trying to look to other solutions as well. What can a student do if they feel that a residency program, or I suppose even if they're trying to do rotations, if they feel they're being discriminated against? Is there someone that they can reach out to? What are their avenues? 
Sure. So ACOM's Government Relations Department would encourage students who are being treated uh, differently, uh, unfairly, to reach out to us. We have a email that we use for communication. That's ACOMGR at ACOM.org. Anybody can share their concerns. You can reach out to our GR team and just raise these issues. We're aware of clinical rotations charging DOs $4,000 for a DO and then $50 for an MD. So we have examples of these. And then we're aware of residencies denying access. We would love to have those stories because they help us communicate with legislators and demonstrate the problem in a concrete way rather than in a universal way. So these stories are valuable to us and we encourage students who are confronted with this to reach out. Contextualize the discussion to say, I'm sure there's many program directors who are not basing decisions on a bias or a dislike for DOs. It's a lack of understanding, a lack of familiarity. I mean, if I'm a program director and I've had MD students coming through my program and I just am not familiar with DOs or I'm not familiar with the Comlex, it might be natural to say, I don't have a problem with them. I just don't understand them. I don't know how to compare them. So we are, we're not assuming ill intent on anyone's part. And consequently, we do think education is a piece of this puzzle. The challenge is that educating program by program doesn't always work. And we know that has occurred. And we know that there have been programs that have changed their mind. We're looking at the big picture. There's a need for a more legislative solution. There is a role for DOs to play. And all across the continuum, the educators, the students, the professionals, and that is that education piece and and really public awareness piece. Who are we? What do we do? DOs are and should be proud of what they do. And communicating that openly would help with the public understanding of the profession. But on top of that, I think that we as an organization need to do our best to ensure that there's resources available to these professionals, collaborate with the other osteopathic professions to make sure that we're all saying the same things, we're all rowing in the same direction, and we're ensuring that we all put our best foot forward so that the profession as a whole improves, and then the community at large recognizes the benefits of the osteopathic profession. If a student or a physician wanted to get involved specifically in political advocacy, We've interviewed someone on the show before named Carissa Champion. She got a JD as well as a DO degree. Um, It doesn't have to be quite that intense. But how do you think that students or physicians could get involved? Are there any recommendations you have? So we think all students and, frankly, all DOs should be advocates for the profession, Mm -hmm. kind of what we were talking about before. But but there are organized ways to do that. And for what we know, a level of engagement is, first and foremost, become involved with ACOM. And one way to do it is pay attention to our weekly Washington Washington Insider. It's a newsletter that we share, you know, disseminate electronically. It has incredible information on it about what ACOM is doing in the government relations space. What, what are the policy issues? What's the status of them? We include funding opportunities, both at the student level, talk about loan repayment moratoriums, those kinds of things. All that information is included in there. But we also talk about how can you advocate? How do you get involved? We have alerts on priority issues like this GME parity. And so we give students information about how to activate and advocate. Second, uh, you can go into the ACOM database and create an advocacy profile. So you might be interested in student financial aid issues 
or you might be interested in GME, or you might be interested in something else altogether. You can go in, create a profile, identify the issues of priority to you, and then ACOM will know, you know what it is that you're interested in, try to share information that's relevant for you. Getting into our action center, ACOM has an online action center. That is where you can communicate directly with your members of Congress. We have a lot of resources on that page as well that tells you what's happening, identifies the issues, prepares a message for you, so there's a template message. We always encourage people to please personalize the message, put it in their own words, explain how it, something is impacting them. They're, they wouldn't be advocating if they didn't care. But if you don't have the time for that, all you can just use the template that we offer, send it off. You can contact your representative by phone. We provide phone numbers, social media you know, options. So really, it's a, it's a raft of resources in that action center that we think would be valuable for any student or other DO who wanted to be involved. And then finally, we are having ACOM's Advocacy Day on June 28th and June 29th. I would strongly encourage any DO, any osteopathic medical student, any faculty, anyone associated with the College of Osteopathic Medicine to please join us on this day. It's a two-day program. The first day is about two hours. I mean, it's really a short session. You're going to hear from a member of Congress. You're going to hear from some congressional staff. And you're going to hear from ACOM's government relations staff. And we're going to train you on how to be an advocate. And it's not too intense or too complicated. And again, you can always commit as much time and interest as you have and grow in that role as you become invested and more sophisticated. But the second day is an advocacy day. And that includes two programs, essentially. There is one virtual Hill visits that we're coordinating. That's going to be with the select participants, uh, comm deans, um, faculty and students who are selected to participate. And so those virtual meetings will be arranged. But then on top of that, everybody is welcome to participate in the online advocacy portion of it. We're trying to make this as big a day as possible. And again, you'll go to that action center. We'll have the briefs. We'll have the targets. We'll have the messages. We'll have everything that you could possibly need to communicate your interests on these priority issues. And it's just a great way to do it in a community, in a safe and structured environment, so that you can wade in if you've never done it before and say, you know what? That was so easy. I want to do more. So I would encourage those as some steps to getting involved. And if you're ever just really want to go take one step further and get more involved, you contact us and the ACOM Government Relations Department will definitely find a way to keep you interested and invested. Sounds like there's a lot of avenues for different levels of comfort. With It's good to hear there's so many options and so much support. We understand everybody's at different stages in their life and their career and in their comfort level. So not everybody wants to make a phone call. Not everybody wants to go in and, and take a meeting. Some people kind of enjoy that. Sometimes you just don't have the time for it. That might be actually your preference, but you've got too much on your plate. We understand that everybody can't do everything. And maybe in a year, you're going to have a little more time to make a phone call. And maybe in three years, you're willing to go in and meet with your member of Congress. You know, So it's evolutionary, but we want to take people where they are. And we recognize that it's stepping stones. That's how everybody gets involved. And I think a lot of people find that it's a lot easier than they thought and a lot more rewarding than they thought when they actually do. So we strongly encourage you to take that first step. Try the Advocacy Day on June 28th and 29th. Register on the ACOM website. And I think that you would be very pleased with that step and feel like there's an opportunity for growth in the future. That's amazing. Well, I love to hear your passion behind it. It's been really wonderful talking to you. And thank you for coming and joining us. And 
Thank you for the time and the conversation, Brooke. It's been a real pleasure. I hope that I have offered something that will get more DOs and osteopathic medical students involved in this process. I feel like this really is the way to grow the profile of the profession, and I am confident that this podcast is going to reach a lot of people who are going to join this ACOM Advocacy Day and get more invested and involved and help us make this profession recognized for being what it really is, the backbone of healthcare delivery. So thank you for everything, and I hope this. Uh, look forward to talking sometime in the future. This concludes our episode of Do or Do Not. Send all inquiries, comments, suggestions, and even let us know if there's someone you want us to interview to do or do not podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at Do or Do Not Podcast for updates. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share it with your classmates and administration. We have plenty of more interviews lined up and we're excited to share them with you. This is Tian Yu Shea. Thank you guys so much for listening to do or do not.